Hello, gentlemen. Uh, just to introduce myself, my name is Dave Trumbor from Collider.com. I'm the senior editor for streaming coverage as well as an animation lead. And this interview will not only be for our readers on the site itself, but we'll also be using it for our animation-focused podcast called Saturday Morning Cartoons. So with that in mind, to start off, would you both mind introducing yourselves by name with your title for Castlevania for our listeners out there? Uh, my name's Warren Ellis. I'm a creator, writer, and executive producer of Castlevania on Netflix. And my name's Kevin Coldy, and I'm executive producer of Castlevania for Netflix. Kevin, I had the chance to chat with you years back now about Castlevania in, in 2017 at Rooster Teeth's uh, Animation Fest. And that was before the show had even premiered, but I know the two of you have been working on this in one form or another since at least 2007. So what's it been like to finally see your hard work come to fruition? Uh, it's been amazing, to be honest. Um, you know, it, it was a long road to get where we got, but, you know, in, in hindsight, I think that it was probably, you know, the right time, the right place, the right uh, group of people for it all to come together in the way that it did. And I, I couldn't be happier. I've been, you know, privileged to work with, you know, just, amazing, talented artists at, you know, all levels of this production from Warren to Sam Dietz and Adam Dietz, directors at Powerhouse. They're incredibly talented team of artists, uh, amazing cast of actors that we've been able to pull together for this. You know, Meredith Lane, who does our casting and voice direction, Trevor Morris, our composer. It's just, you know, I couldn't be happier. It's it's great. And then, Warren, same question for you, since you've been, you know, working on adapting this for the last 10 years or so. Oh, uh, 10 years and then some. I yeah. think it was probably around 06 when Kevin first talked to me uh, about Castlevania, uh, and then that ran into trouble, as most of these things do. You know, the stuff you see actually being produced and made is the very tip of the iceberg of what was always in development any one time. So it went away, and then fully 10 years later, Kevin came back to me uh, and said, how about Castlevania? And I said, who are you and what are you doing in my house? <laughs> <laughs> it had been kind of a long time. Um, but, you know, I guess sometimes if you wait long enough, uh, the stars will align and you'll get to do it after all. Well, I mean, I know fans have been waiting for an adaptation that lives up to the quality of the video games and, and beyond. You know, you guys are giving us a ton more story than we ever got with any of the games themselves. But uh, speaking of that, I believe you previously stated that the end of season two, I think that was the end of your original script, uh, originally envisioned as a trilogy, but that was the end of that, right? So season three was kind of a new, you know, new blank page for you guys? Uh, that's correct. Season two uh, was the end of my original plan. Um, so we had, or I had the situation, which was happy and delightful and pleasing that Netflix came to us and said we would like season three, please. Uh, and then the delight and joy and pleasure fades, and you have what we call in the writing game the oh shit moment <laughs> when you realize you don't actually have a clue what to do next. Uh, luckily, uh, we had a broadcast of actors who had 
given me just so much in terms of invention and nuance during season two. Uh, and of course, many of those characters I'd left in play. So I discovered that I could give each of those characters uh, a new full life, a new character out, and they essentially told their own story in season three. And I definitely want to get to some of the continuing arcs and some of the new arcs that are introduced in season three. But I saw on Twitter, you mentioned a little while back, then when you started working on season three in 2018, you started out with a quote, the psychedelic horror season. So how did that one line kind of uh, pave the way for everything else that was to come in season three? As I'm sure everyone knows by now, I never played the games. I wasn't even aware of them uh, until Kevin originally <laughs> until Kevin originally uh, came to me about them. So all my knowledge of the games is from Wikipedia and fan pages. So I find myself just sort of clicking through the canon in those situations and looking for things to hold on to. And there's some really weird stuff in the canon. (laughs) Uh, And occasionally you just trip over one or two things and, you know, spoilers being what they are, I can't mention right now what those one or two things are, but you'll see the you trip over that and it kind of gives you a key to to unlock the entire story and it, it's fully psychedelic horror it's weird stuff uh, so that ended up colouring the entire season it gave me permission to get really much stranger than I probably should have <laughs> Well, I definitely love the the lengths that you guys went to. I was wondering, in you know, season two, there's that fantastic kind of fight to uh, end episode nine, and that leads into everything to come. But I was wondering, like, how are they going to top that? Well, this episode nine with the uh, the infinite corridor and the, the dream sequences and all the stuff that led up to that was absolutely phenomenal, and I could geek out on that probably for at least an hour. But in the interest of time, um, oh shit, have you se- have you seen it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've watched the whole season. Absolutely. I was going to say, the hell did you get the Infinite Corridor from? I didn't realize they'd actually, I didn't realize they'd released assets to you. That'd be pretty good if I figured that out from the no scraps of information that you guys let out, so. It would, Amazing detective work. I should have kept you believing I was some sort of, like, mystic or mind reader. I, I, I know. I know. Uh, I only got about five hours sleep, so you absolutely would have fooled me at this point. My brain is mush. Okay. Let's carry on. Sure. This is going to go great on a podcast. Jesus. Well, that's the magic of editing, too. Uh, what I loved about season three, though, you guys get to follow four different kind of uh, story arcs. So they focus on different characters. Obviously, you have uh, Alucard's story, and you've got another that focuses on uh, Trevor, Sypha, and a newcomer, uh, St. Germain. We also get a, a side story with Carmilla and her vampire queen sisters. And then we also have uh, Isaac's own journey. But for the both of you, did you have a favorite character arc to kind of play around in? Or is there one that stood out to you this season? Well, that's really hard because one of the amazing things that, you know, I love about uh, the show and what Warren's been able to bring to it is I love, like, all the characters. Like, <laughs> I just do. They're all interesting in their, in their own ways, right? So uh, it's really hard to, to pick. Um, I guess maybe in some way Isaac's journey is, you know, to me is very interesting because, you know, of sort of where he's started out, you know, in season two and kind of where he's heading, you know, in season three. You know, he's evolving to become a different a different character, a different person, you know? 
and um, I think people are going to be a bit surprised by uh, by his journey. But you know, I, I love Maul. <laughs> I really do. You know, Lamar and Hector. You know, makes me squeal with joy. <laughs> it's all. It's all. Uh, yeah. I don't ever want to hear you squeal. I really don't. <laughs> yeah. can, can we edit that out, Dave? Sure. Can we take that part? I mean, unless you want to squeal with joy, and then we'll keep it in the podcast. Up to you. And, uh, I'd, have to work, I'd have to work it out, but yeah. Uh, and then a follow-up question for you then, too. Uh, maybe a harder one, actually. Do you have a favorite character that you got to write for, either past or present? Because personally... I loved and I miss Godbrand. It just seemed like such a fun character to get to play with. So any of those that kind of stand out for you, even if they're supporting characters? Uh, I, I tell you, if Peter Stormare had yeah. taken that gig, I would have been so screwed because his <laughs> voice was all I could hear. Um, and, I mean, you've, you've heard the performance. I'm not even sure he knew the microphone was on. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it, was, it was just... So instinctively insane. Um, yeah, Godbrand was a lot of fun. I enjoy writing Isaac because it's actually very difficult to write Isaac. Um, it's, it, it's a real uh, challenge. He comes from uh, a very different place and he has a very particular cadence, which are they? has developed over the show, so I find myself actually starting to write to his cadence. Mm. Um, Carl Miller is always a joy. Um, and in season three, uh, Saint-Germain yeah. uh, was just immense fun to write um, because he's, he's so grandiose and he's so unimpressed with literally anybody else he meets. <laughs> Uh, and yet he cannot help but try to play, work, and con everyone he meets. So that was just immensely entertaining. I believe you said you wrote that character with Bill Nye's voice and cadence and performance kind of in mind. So how great was it yeah, that you guys got him? Yeah. Yeah. Once again, I would have been in real trouble if Bill hadn't done it because... <laughs> Um, because yeah, it was very much the sound of Bill Nighy. Uh, I didn't mind. I mean, I've been a fan of that guy's work for God decades. Same. Uh, and it was marv marvelous working with him. Were there any, uh, actors who you, uh, this is a question for either of you, uh, any actors who you had in mind that you reached out to that maybe you didn't think you would ever in a million years get them to sign on, or maybe that, that some that, that just didn't work out? Uh, all of them. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, I mean, look at the cast. Yeah. Got the, uh, yeah. uh, aside from our returning actors, and I'm amazed that you know our previous actors decided to return right. after the horrible things I made them say. <laughs> um, but I mean, Bill Nighy, Barbara Steele, mm -hmm. for God's sake, uh, Lance Reddick, Jason Isaacs. Um, Jessica Brown Finlay, uh, Ivana Milosevic, yeah, Yasmin Almazri, um, and, and, you know, Nevin, um, no, I mean, I'm always shocked 
always shocked when these people agree to come onto my my weird animated show uh, about vampires and swearing. Did the returning? I don't know how much the the cast really ever gets to cross over, but did the returning cast have any kind of like? welcoming or even hazing uh, for the newcomers to be like, you don't know what you're getting into, but it's going to be a hell of a ride. Animation recording is a bit strange. Yeah. Um, often, oftentimes the actors are not in the same room, um, and oftentimes they're not even you know recorded at the same time. Right. So there's not a lot of... Uh, not a lot of that interaction that, that we would know of. We were, we're fortunate at times to get them all together, sometimes across continents, um, which is always great um, to have them be able to perform together. And, um, you know, there's a, yeah, we had, we had the ladies, we had the ladies from Syria, uh, from Syria, yeah. uh, all in the same room. Oh, cool. At least once. And, and that was hugely entertaining. Uh, we connected up. Uh, we had Alejandra in LA, uh, Bill was in London, and Richard, I want to say, was Berlin, and I think we were running them simultaneously. Hmm. Hopefully you can get them together for a Comic-Con, yeah. We got Richard and James and Alejandra together in the studio once for season two, which was which was great, but other than that, it's always like through the amazing uh, technology of the future that they're all in these different places and time zones and somehow we can they can hear each other and we can hear them all and it all comes together exactly uh and speaking of amazing technology and 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 some time traveling future folk uh we get saint germain as a new character in this one but we also have some teases of some other characters who may have fans kind of questioning digging into the lore a little bit more warren you've previously said of the castlevania character of of grant and honestly, I don't even know how to say his last name. Is it just Dynasty or is it Dynasty? Because the way it's spelled is well, ridiculous. I've got yeah, the way it's spelled is ridiculous, yeah. and it has to be pronounced as Dynasty, right. isn't it? Dynasty. Um, if you go back, what they were actually there's actually a town in the the Romanian region called Dynasty, mm. D-A-N-A-S-T-I, and I think um it's just a transliteration issue but it just comes out as grand dynasty <laughs> uh but you you previously said of this character what use as a pirate in a landlocked country anyway but in season three we get some teases of both uh, a character they call the pirate of the roads i believe and it also features an unnamed sailor who simply goes by the captain so are we reading too much into maybe some grant lore in there you're reading you're reading too much into the captain. The captain is simply the captain, I'm afraid. Okay. No, I love it, because I love Lance Reddick. Yeah. But, however, the pirate of the roads, who stuck wheels on his boat, because he's a pirate <laughs> in a landlocked country. Right. Yes, that's, that's my little nod to all the people still furious that we didn't use all the two-dimensional <laughs> sprites from the early games. <laughs> Fantastic. Um... Speaking of mysterious characters, I, I, I profess to not know all the lore of Castlevania as well, but we get introduced to a very mysterious, magically gifted uh, woman by the name of Miranda. So can you maybe tease a little bit more about how that character came about and maybe what she was based on? Oh, not everybody. <laughs> not everybody is from the lore. Right. Uh, some of them I just made up, I'm afraid. 
Well, I definitely like her part to play in the story. Um, you know, with with characters like the captain, with characters like Miranda, I want to personally see more of them. So I'm glad that this world, your world, is expanding and including more and more of these stories beyond the main. I dream of writing those characters more as well. Um, but that, for, for me, I mean, when Kevin talks about Isaac's particular arc being his favorite, although it was possibly the hardest part of the season to write for me, mm. um, it was also among the more interesting arcs because almost uniquely amongst those characters, Isaac is on a philosophical journey. Yes. Uh, and, you know, in the period, uh, philosophy included magic. Uh, so I can I can have him having conversations uh, with old sea captains and hermit magicians. I love it, and that leads right into my next question, actually, because when I think of Castlevania, this particular series, I think of three things: there's gorgeous animation, there's incredible and intense action, but also a rarity in uh, animation these days. We get deep philosophical conversations that are, you know, held by complex characters. So when it comes to philosophizing, when do you know, like, when you've got your message across and when do you know when you have to kind of rein it in, move on to the next thing? Um, well, that's relatively easy for me because I'm quite stupid. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> um, so, you know, I'm not really going to get that deeply into it. Um, and the thing to bear in mind is that I'm, these are lectures. These are people talking and trying to get something from each other right. or trying to give something to each other. Um, so if you maintain the personal conversational connection, all conversations have an arc and a conclusion. Uh, it's not difficult to know when you've outstayed your welcome. So essentially you use story structure just kind of in the, the focused uh, form of a conversation. Essentially, yeah. Gotcha. Um, as for the other components of, of Castlevania, the insane action sequences, I'm curious how much of that is actually scripted by you guys, and then how much do you just lean on storyboard artists and uh, animators to really flesh that out? Depends massively. Some scenes I've scripted down to the beat. Some scenes um, I've literally set it up. I've noted where the scene needs to end, and I've literally written on the script, Sam, this needs to be about a minute, 30 seconds long, go nuts. And, and Sam and his team just take the space and invent something marvellous. I mean, I can't say enough good things about Sam D, the director, uh, Adam, the co-director and assistant mm -hmm. director, and Sam's entire staff at Powerhouse. They're just astonishing artists. Yeah, they're fantastic. Uh, were there any specific uh, either action scenes or fight scenes that you... I don't know, you said some of them are scripted by the beat, so which ones were really important to you, if you can remember, um, that they were they were hitting these specific ones? Yeah. Yeah. Season one, in the underground, uh, with the Minotaur mm -hmm. thing, um, and Cypher as a statue, uh, that was scripted uh, damn to be. It was, it was one of the first revelations for me, uh, obviously working in comics, um, I script things as closely as the artist needs me to. Right. Uh, but to see that kind of close scripting translated into animation uh, and seeing what they could actually make out of that, that was really revelatory for me. Not least because it told me, it started to teach me when I would be overwriting mm. and when I can just step back and uh, let Sam invent and create. 
I guess a similar question then goes into when you were crafting the idea of how to explore the infinite corridor and what that looks like and how you how you get this idea of, you know, infinite dimensions and, and portals and doorways, how you bring that across in animation. What was that process like? And then what was your reaction to seeing the finished product? Oh, I made everyone's life hell on that one. <laughs> yeah, it looked, <laughs> it looked insane. I, I, I knew exactly what that looked like, and I knew it was going to drive everybody crazy. Yeah. Uh, so that went through a whole bunch of iterations, um, but I could see it down to uh, the color palette. Uh, and just seeing them build that stage by stage was marvelous. Once again, I know I put them through hell, but what they brought back was just a hundred times better than what I was seeing in my head. I think, I think the whole infinite corridor, the animation, all that stuff, that was, that was the fell on Adam Dietz mm-hmm. to make all of that come together. Uh, and he really did an amazing job. Also, Adam and his team, um, you know, coming out of the in- infinite corridor into the shots of hell, uh, since you've seen it in, uh, you know, in the latter episodes, mm-hmm. like, you know, again, making something out of nothing and figuring all that out. And, you know, we gave him lots of reference from 2001 to, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I was even pulling out old, uh, old psychedelic band posters from the Fillmore in the 60s for that one. I love that. I'm, I'm curious. Yeah. What were your inspirations that kind of went into it? Cause there's a bunch of sci-fi stuff that, that goes in there. It goes well beyond, you know, the traditional fantasy arc because you're peeking into all these different worlds. So what were some of the other things you guys threw around as inspiration? Oh God, what even was there? <laughs> I mean, I pulled out the old psychedelic posters for, for Adam because of the color scheme. Yeah. Um, I think a, a lot of it was, I mean, I had a, a list of things I wanted to try and I think I just boiled them down to, five images I thought would be the most striking. I just wanted them I remember wanting the things we used to be the most un-Castlevania things we'd yet seen. Mm. I wanted them to be completely jarring against the world we knew. Well, I mean that was the the, the leading impulse for all of those. Yeah, that definitely worked because that was a sequence I had to go back and watch kind of again and again because I was just kind of, I felt like St. Germain at that point where I was just like, <laughs> just like slack-jawed and stunned by everything. And I had to look at every frame and see what, you know, this this bipedal robot walker storming at me and just trying to like make sense of all of it and t- kind of take it all in. Yeah, there's just just hats off to the team because that was just a fantastic standout sequence. Just wanted to mention that. Uh, before I run out of time with you guys, I, and I got a million questions I could talk about, but at the end of this thing, at the end of season three, we haven't really even talked about Alucard, but he's got kind of this, he's, he's gone through a pretty heartbreaking betrayal, and he's starting to sort of slip back into his father's madness. We see our, our main heroes in, in Sypha and Trevor kind of dealing with some things as well. Uh, Hector, arguably, is in a worse spot now than he was back at the end of season two. Isaac is maybe the best uh, of all of them because he's he's kind of got an army of the dead that he's leaving. But um, what can you guys tease about where you'd at least like to see the story go from here? I know you can't get into specifics or renewals or any of that, but what would you what can you tease about what could be more fleshed out in the future? Mm, Kevin, where can we go with this? <laughs> I'm not sure where we can go. Um, you know, to be honest with you, in terms of our answer, right? I, mean, I, I think that there's. At the end of season three, you know, it comes from, it, at a very different place than you, it's going to be. Right. You know, season three sort of starts with 
you know, um, new hope, new beginning, and, and, you know, you think everything's going to be great and happy, and then uh, Warren pulls the, <laughs> the rug out from under you and goes, goes to shit. Um, so, look, I, you know, there, there's definitely unfinished business and unfinished stories that I think, um, I think we could easily journey is, you know, is, is clearly the end of the story. Yeah. Um, what, what I will say, um, is that in some ways you can almost look at Pennsylvania as an alternative history story. Mm. Uh, where, you know, vampires are real and magic is real. And the third season, um, is the aftermath of what everyone thought was the worst possible thing that could happen. Hmm. Uh, you know, Dracula is real and he's trying to kill everybody on the planet and that gets stopped. Um, but all these other elements have been thrown into play inside what has become a power vacuum. So you're living in a world where these things are real, and it turned out just knocking out the middle of that great threat left a hole that all these terrible things we now know about are now going to rush in to fill. Um, therefore, this is a much grimmer world even than the actual time period in the, the you know, late 1400s or wherever it was. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it doesn't necessarily end happily, uh, but it feels kind of truthful to the situation that was instigated um, at the top of season one. Uh, these things have happened in the world. They don't go away. There is no reset. It's not like everyone is going to forget about vampires night creatures and magic and these things are now uh, off the leash and reveling to some extent in the chaos. That's a great tease and set up for hopefully uh, future stories to come, but I'll let you off the hook. Uh, my last question for you guys today, what else maybe are you two currently working on that you can talk about? Like Warren, I, I just saw the Crunchyroll news uh, for Freak Angels, the adaptation there. So anything else going on that you guys are, are proud of or like to do a signal boost for? Kevin and I, uh, this was announced a month ago, but Kevin and I are working on an animated series called Heaven's Forest, mm -hmm. also at Netflix, um, which is a weird kind of cultural remix on the Ramayana in India. Right. Uh, and we're working with Netflix India uh, and Indian on. Fantastic. And Kevin, anything else uh, going on for you uh, aside from Heaven's Forest? No, Heaven's Forest is uh, the main one that we're working on now. Um, you know, we just, uh, on the, the projects now with Warren, we just wrapped up uh, uh, finally the new season of being Poppy Cow, which I think people will be, uh, people will be super stoked for. So uh, that should be coming out soon. But yeah, Castlevania, Heaven's Forest. Being Poppy Cow. Being Poppy Cow. Sorry, sorry. You know, I remember. Is that is that Natasha Allegri? It is indeed. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember first seeing her stuff. She used to draw little comics that she'd post on Live Journal in the <laughs> early two thousands. Yeah, yeah. I, I followed her way back when, and it's just delightful to see her creating animated shows now. I yeah, love she's her. Great. We, 
much, but she she went and lived in Japan for uh, basically two years and worked with a Japanese studio to uh, to put it all together because uh, it's got a lot of anime influences. So um, yeah, I think people will be stoked to see it, and so yeah, um, that's what's going on. Cool. So if you guys want to announce it, she's also uh, animating and directing your chibi-inspired version of the Castlevania universe. Feel free to do that on this show. Uh, but otherwise, thank you guys so much. I, I, will, yeah. I will reveal that on my desk are uh, some sketches that she did of Castlevania babies. Oh, that so is too cute. Someday. That is too cute. Someday. Well, I will happily uh, crowdfund that uh, or contribute to it at least. So. <laughs> Whatever it takes. Uh, thank you guys so much for your time today, and congratulations on all things Castlevania. Uh, looking forward to more from that show and your projects as well in the months and years ahead. So thank you guys again. Cool. Thanks, Dave. Take care. Thanks. Cool. Thank you.